I really think this episode is the strangest World War One allegory I've ever read or seen. You know, shaking heads don't show up on podcasts. Welcome to A Hard Gray's Night. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm Mick Creamy. Oh, that's just disgusting. <laughs> so gross. I know, right? I mean, I guess it's appropriate for this particular episode. No Man's Land, episode four of season one. Right, it was written by James Parriott, like Marriott with a P, or like It Parrot scrambled together, and directed by Adam Davidson, uh... Or perhaps it's David Adamson. I'm not sure. I could be. I could be juggling it up. Uh, Although you have the wiki right in front. Of I you. might you be. I might be joking around with you. <laughs> I be, might be pulling your leg. Uh, its air date was April seventeenth, two thousand and five. So nearly eleven over eleven years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess all of these are exact a little bit over eleven years ago since we're in the eleventh season of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Anatomy. And the 11th season of this podcast, it feels like at this point. <laughs> it does. It, 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 it really okay, does. So, so this, this episode, um, well, it's fraught with peril for me to talk about right now because it's a Grey's Anatomy episode named after a Billy Joel song, which is, it is basically everything you love and everything I do not yep. <laughs> put into one. So I, you know, it's like I... You know, I've been getting a lot of accusations from, well, well, just from you, actually, but, but a lot of accusations that I'm a little too mean on this podcast and a little too surly, and it's going to be hard for me to express my feelings about this Billy Joel song. By all means, express away. <laughs> okay, it's it's not the worst Billy Joel song I've ever heard in the Damning with Faith Phrase department. Um, it kind of sounds like... It's from it's from 1993's River of Dreams, if I didn't mention, and you know, so it's from it's after his heyday. It's from his last album to be nominated for a Grammy. Uh, my it's from his God. gray day. Yeah. <laughs> Not his heyday. His gray gray day. Yeah. His. Is that, is that something to do with Grey's Anatomy, or, <laughs> so or, or, or or the fact that his hair was graying and thinning at yes, this point? Yes, there we go. Um, but is uh, um. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, my God, he had 12 Grammy-nominated albums in a row. God damn it, Grammy voters. You're the worst. Um, but this song basically, to me, sounds like, uh, it's kind of like if, if... Speak. If Elvis Costello arranged a terrible Bruce Springsteen song, and then Billy Joel covered it with a silly voice. <laughs> Like, he, he doesn't use his normal singing voice in it a lot. He's got this sort of voice that he's using at the beginning, like, for the verses. Like, the chorus, he sounds like Billy Joel, but the verses, he sounds like he's trying to go down an octave. Not down an octave, but he sounds yeah, like... don't even try to do I don't know the musician. Music, but it sounds like... He just sounds like... He, he sounds like he's doing about. a shitty Depeche Mode impression or something. It's just... It's not... It's not right. It ain't right. Okay. Yeah, but the, so- the song itself seems to be largely about encroaching suburbia. And, uh... And, you know, like, because there's some... Some mention of uh, of uh, uh, the Long Island Lolita. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Fisher is alluded to apparently in the lyrics, um, and it just seems to be about like resources wasted in suburbia. Um, 
I don't think that's what the point of the no. I think it, I think it has either. to do with the title being called No Man's Land. Right. The World Let's War One thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The World War One. Well, but but I, I but again, No Man's Land. Even then, for the World War One, you know, like I don't the, think it has to do with that. Well, yeah, I'm saying we've got No Man's Land. That No Man's Land. Billy Joel, which obviously it's named after the Billy Joel song because they're always named after songs. We've got no man. The original term No Man's Land, which is like the area in between the trenches in World War One, uh, where devastation and no man could survive there, you know. So it's the, the the worst nightmare place you can imagine. Basically, Mordor, literally, because that's kind of the inspiration Tolkien had for describing Mordor was like the, the trenches in No Man's Land. Um, neither of those things seem to have anything to do with the episode. So is it just that there aren't any dudes? Oh yeah, George. There's the whole George thing. There's the whole emasculating thing. There's the whole yeah. tampons. There's the whole cutting the dudes. You know, separating. Well, that's, that, that, that's the emasculating thing. Really. Well, I mean, the the one. Well, George is also emasculating, I guess. Uh huh. Okay. Wow. That's a. So so basically, we've got these. We've got we've got two slightly more sophisticated illusions going on, and then Grey's Anatomy went for the really obvious uh, slam dunk. They were early on and yeah, I know. I got but in the like, writing, but I, I have to imagine this isn't like the first time any person in, involved in Grey's Anatomy had made a television show. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe, it might have been Shonda's first show. I don't know. Well, I mean, well, I, this was not Shonda. You know, this is James Parriott. Yeah, but she, she's uh, which still, is probably she, a, yeah. I mean, let's see if old, let's see if old James Parriott wrote any other Grey's Anatomy. Oh no, nope. uh, he has a long career in writing, going back uh, to the seventies. He wrote, oh wow, he wrote for The Six Million Dollar Man, The Invisible Man, Gemini Man, The Bionic Woman, The Incredible Hulk. So let's wow. get into so, this. So wait, wait, wait. So basically he wrote a lot of like ridiculous 70s shows. Mm-hmm. And then, um, oh, he's, and then he wrote wrote for Sons of Anarchy. Okay, so let's move wow. on. He's got a, Mrs. of Science! Oh, that's a great show. It wasn't so, a great show. So <laughs> but, <laughs> the show starts with essentially George is in the shower and Izzy... Is walking it's a around. Sweet TR night back. <laughs> She's walking around in her underwear, Hello Kitty underwear, and it's some sweet. What's her name? Pubis, I guess. I don't Are you know. About Izzy. Yeah, what's the actress's name? That's just like you're just gross. Well, she had a very, very like they, they really wanted us to look at her crotch. I mean, they, they had well, Hello they did Kitty put Hello right Kitty over, right, right on over her, her mound. That's true. Her no. lady mound. Do you have to be so crass? I don't it's have to. So but I, it's, nasty. I don't have to. It's for the viewers. Just don't understand and by, by the viewers. viewers? I mean, yeah, the people peeking in our window, oh watching God, us record this so for the listeners. Gross. You just are sadnesses. Uh, so, um, oh. so yeah. So you know, she's walking around, and Meredith's writing a check to the extended living at Rose Hill or whatever. Yeah, she managed thing. to write. I, I love that. Like in the real world, almost no one ever writes like. A check very clearly at all, but because this is TV and you got to make. I, I write really clear checks. Actually, your but your checks have a little bit of a cursive nature to them, right? No, they don't. My signature does. Have you? I don't know that I've ever seen a check of yours because you you don't you don't pay me for anything. You're right because you don't deserve it. You have to do the work, and I have to, to get steal paid. from you to get any money. <laughs> so um, then I do forge your signature a lot. So then you know George is all like, ah, oh, why do you make? Why do you come in while I'm showering? And wait, 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 my wait, toothbrush. And blah, wait, wait, blah, blah, blah. is George a muppet? Well, you gotta do that. Yeah, come gotta on, do that. Go oh, get off my yeah, maybe he's a country singer from Bakersfield. Get off my thing. Get off Talky my lawn. <laughs> they get in, and then of course, you know, it's they're in the early shift. It's like the five a.m. shift, and Yang's been there since four o'clock, and she's looked at all the charts. And, and everyone she, else is early at four thirty. Yeah, and jiggity, she jiggity, jiggity, she picks up uh, what she thinks is going to be a Whipple, 
which we, we which did. Is, which is an operation basically to keep Charmin from being removed from the container and squeezed before it's time. So what it is... That is, joke was for the 40-year-olds out there. There's like two of us out here. Um, so the... Uh, the uh, I, I, I forgot to make a really horrible comment about, of course you like Billy Joel because you're, you know, 40 and Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I didn't make it. Well, you, you know? can't do that because because Jen, Jenny B doesn't even like... Yeah, but, you know, but but she doesn't listen to this. But she's also she's also publicly said she's the only 40, 40 year old Jewish woman she knows that doesn't like Billy Joel. Yeah, that's true. P.S. Shout out to Heather, who has been uh, anxiously awaiting our podcasts. And um, sorry, it ended up being this bad. Yeah, <laughs> apologies. Um, but yeah, shout out to Heather. Uh, anyway, so moving Do on. Do I know Heather? Um, no. Hi, Heather. I think so nice to meet you. I'm John. <laughs> she I... thinks you're funny. Wow. I know. I know. I keep telling her. No wonder. I, so I have. You're right. I haven't met her. You haven't met her. <laughs> that, that's so, obvious there. Um, um, so anyway, so they get in and blah blah blah. I and Yang thinks that there's a you're whipple. Just, you're just talking, and I'm like, yeah. And and she's all excited because she wants to do it, and they have to like you know whatever. And she ends up. With, oh, and there's a lot of irritating banter. I'm, I just wrote irritating banter. I can't remember who was having the banter at that moment. But there was a lot of back and forth that I was very annoyed by. So Yang is in the room with this. I wanted to get that patient, out because it's before the Yang is in the room the, with the patient. And the patient is um, this the nurse who's been at Seattle Grace uh, for years. She's been a scrub nurse, and we come to find out that she used to be. And this is where we have a discrepancy. We have a timeline problem. Timeline issues. She's Ellis Gray's scrub nurse for eighteen years. But for those of you who know. Gray's Anatomy and no. And by the way, this Anatomy. is this is me and me alone because Allie and I had a whole argument. Well, about, I tried well, not to justify. I tried to justify. You were trying to justify I was this trying show. To justify the show Bible. That no, you're right. Was incorrect. No, no. There's no way. Uh, basically, as we go on to the show, at this point we don't know the full timeline. But having watched all the episodes, thanks a lot, Allie. You're welcome. You've made me this insufferable bastard. I know. You've created I know. me. I know. I will point out that John is the one that actually made this point. Those of you out there. Because because we'd already had a discussion mm-hmm. where the first episode, mm-hmm. in the first episode of this podcast, remember I was like, I don't remember that she was in Boston. And you were like, yeah, remember she went away and lived there. And I was right. like, oh, yeah. It's implied. And I'm not really sure. You know, it's implied basically uh, that, you know, right now that Ellis Gray worked at this hospital. She moved back to Seattle and was working here. But if you act like later history of the show, like Ellis Gray's life is such that, oh God, Ellis, what a terrible, by the way, apparently she's named after a guy who wrote anatomy books, Gray's Anatomy and El, and some other guy named Ellis. Anyway, but, moving um, on. Which is fucking obnoxious. Uh, I learned that from the Gray's Wikia too. But uh, you know, essentially she's, uh, she's, she supposedly moved away. From Boston when Meredith was f- to Boston no, to when Meredith Boston. was five, which would be in 1983, because Meredith was born in 78. Um, yeah, there, there's actually some timelines here. Keep going. By the way, Ellis is younger than my parents. Oh my god, keep going. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so, but then supposedly she then worked like very. She worked somewhere, you know, somewhere in Massachusetts, and she worked at the Mayo Clinic. Then she worked for the UN. It is never implied that she ever came back to Seattle Grace right. to work. That like her early days at Seattle Grace was what, you know, made her like her connection with it is just that, that she's a legend. But she doesn't she's she supposedly never worked there again. But but yet in this first season episode, which may be an even earlier episode than we think, and I'll talk about that in a minute, um they they haven't established that yet and they they had they they thought that she obviously worked here. So beep, 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 beep. 
suddenly she's got this scrub nurse that worked her for 18 years, although there's no 18-year window where she could ever have been working for her. Like just none. as they as they lay it out later. At this point, yeah. we don't know. At this, this point, we don't know this, so it's not a continuity error yet. But it will be. It becomes one later. Yeah, it it, it definitely will be. You know, it, it's it's there's, and I've always thought it was a very questionable thing, like what exactly happened in Ellis's life, like like the way it the way it arcs. But you know, like but apparently that's uh, she wins her first Harper Avery in '88. I learned that. Ah, yes, yeah, things, so things you learn. Yeah. So so here we are with Nurse Fallon. Liz Fallon, who apparently is Ellis Gray's scrub nurse, and for has been for eighteen years. years, and like knew her as well as anyone knew her, which means not very much at all because right. Ellis doesn't give a shit about anything other than surgery. Ellis is a is a Yang. Yes, the, she's for, a Yang. She's the, the Yang of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um, even down to ha- uh, about to have an affair with a, uh, you know, <laughs> a doctor. Yes. Uh, but uh, but Yang at least has the decency to not be married. Yes. Uh, so we we do learn both of them actually, and 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 also chief, the chief when he comes in this episode. My theory is this episode is actually shot out of sequence and was supposed to be earlier in the season, because last episode uh, Chief Weber had moved from the mustache he had in the pilot to a goatee, and now he's back with the mustache. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like they'd shot him with the mustache. They realized he looked kind of like goofy with the mustache. And moved him into his more sophisticated graying goatee that he has uh, throughout the remainder of the show. Right. Uh, so I think I think, and again, I haven't looked it up, and I don't I don't plan to. But I think this episode was not was supposed to be a, even earlier in the season than it is. It's only season. We're only in episode four. I know. I'm saying I think maybe they they didn't know where to put, you know, this episode. You know, a lot of times the shows do that. They're like there's no there's no through line with this episode and any of the previous ones that makes this have to happen. Before or after, mm-hmm. other than the pilot, obviously, right? You know, they have to actually no. It it, it it can only be either episode three or four, but maybe this was the third one shot because just because I'm I like there's nothing in the last episode that is contradicted in this one. There's no like they haven't really started doing ongoing patience, right? Like they start doing long storylines with patience, like as the show goes on. But yeah. right now, it's just every episode the patient pretty much is done at the end. Of, like they either live or die. So the then we come to find out more about uh, Izzy and she's in her model career, and you find out that she has a patient who's has prostate he want, yeah, he wants, cancer. He's like, get out of the room. Yeah, he freaks out, and he. But it, this is why. I mean, well, we find out later why. But he has prostate ca- cancer, and um, she has to go prepare him for like get a biopsy, like, and he kicks her out of the room. He's like, "You're not a doctor." He and he, and he show, opens up, he opens up the, the magazine, magazine and shows her. Which I mean, it's explained later. But I was watching that like, why is he carrying a photo of her around with him in a magazine? Yeah. Like, you know, like I mean, that's explained, but it's like the first time you see it, you know, like bleh. And and then meanwhile, George, like meanwhile, not George, not yeah, George, George and um, and Meredith and Alex. Or is it just, or is it just Meredith and Alex get called to, um, to, uh, to Derek to help Derek out? He was supposed to have a, a surgery, but it was right. pulled away because a man uh, has been shot seven times in the head with a nail gun uh, because he fell down a flight of stairs. Yep. While holding a nail gun. While holding a nail gun. And I, I that actually is one that uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've had known any stories about nail guns yourself. But you know, we we both come from a theater background. Yeah, I, I don't both, see how that's even we possible. Both, we've both done. It, I, yeah, I don't really know. Oh, it is, I know how it's possible. I mean, it's very possible. Have you used a nail gun? Yes. 
Like, you know, you like if it's set to trigger, you can just tap oh, that just in and it'll right, just chunk. Right, it'll just chunk, right. Yeah. Um, I know someone, I will not name names. I, I don't know him very well. He didn't shoot himself in the head. She just gave me a look like, <laughs> he actually uh, put a nail gun on his hip and shot himself in the ass cheek. What with, an with, idiot. With He's actually not an idiot. It's just, I, it's one of those things where you, like, it's so easy to accidentally do. Oh, God, idiots. If, like, yeah, if you're not, if you're not, like, on the ball with a nail gun, you can do some, some stupid things to yourself. It is a terrible But also theater thing. technicians are sloppy and kind of insane. You know, um, I'm sure uh, if any of my Facebook friends are actually I listening to this, I'm sorry because I a lot of you are theater technicians. I, I guess I think in my brain he could have shot himself accidentally once. But if he's falling times. down the stairs, it, it, although I don't know how it would ricochet, like how he would hold it so it would do that. That's sort of what I, I feel like if he's falling down the stairs, it'd be all over his body and yeah. not just in his head. I mean, unless it would, because it like, like he, he yeah. like bump, bump, bumped it over and I mean, over. That's and, possible. I mean, it doesn't seem likely. Yeah. Something, but, it's just, I mean, I'm sure they took it out of some medical yeah. thing and and that and all he's still happened conscious. yeah and he and that all happened before the stupid awful opening theme scene nobody knows when again that's uh we, we i don't want to repeat myself every episode but we have to point out how terrible it is it's terrible nobody and uh oh, oh you wanna know it's so bad oh yeah wow that's so I, I mean, I, 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 again, my memory on this episode is not as good probably as yours because even though we just watched it, I usually I've been taking copious notes so I know what the hell I'm talking about. The next thing I have is a uh, like that guy nail gun's wife. Oh yeah, what about uh, her? Comes in and she like it, like you know she's just talking about him and like she, you know like uh, how 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 he also takes pictures and yeah you know she's like that idiot in his nail gun and and. Uh, I think Meredith at one point asks, you know, like, you know, like, does he felt dizzy before falling down the stairs? He mentions it and she's a little concerned, but that doesn't, that, that'll come up later that, you know, that's, right. that's your Chekhov's uh-huh. uh, concern, I guess. Uh, but his wife, like, we have a bit of dating, you know, like, much like we often, when we're um, in our, our, in our other podcast lives, we will talk about like, oh my God, here's a thing that could only happen in the 80s. Here's a line that I think would probably only really happen in the mid-aughts. When she talks about, I bought him a new digital camera. Yeah. Like, she very much stresses that it's a digital camera. Yeah. Which, you know, in the 90s, there were digital cameras, but they were fairly rare and expensive. And, you know, like, usually, you know, like, yes, it would have stressed it. They would have stressed it, but it would have been like, it would have had to be explained. And nowadays, it's just a camera. It's a camera. Nobody has Like, I, it's like you would have to specify a film, film camera. camera. You know, like, That's I bought true. him an actual film camera because I, he likes the old-fashioned way of taking pictures. You know, but like, so it's, but like, she had to stress digital camera. It was a very, it was like, it was just take, taking us back a decade. Right. To that, that wonderful Audis feel, you know. The Audis. VH1's I Love the Audis. Okay. You know, and then I, I, that's as far as you I had really, another thing that you wrote down about the poppies. Oh, that's later. Oh, that's sorry. Later. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't like, know what comes next. Well, what I, uh, next we, uh, we basically learn, um, we oh, learn. We, we learn about, about Izzy. Izzy yeah. that Izzy uh, was a model Izzy for, and this is this is all right. Veronica's closet's annoying enough when they do the, the Victoria's Secret parody of Veronica's closet, but Bethany Whisper. Okay, so Bethany Whisper. So, so that's a porn star name that is not a ma- that is not an underwear company. So name. so uh, Izzy and Meredith ask. It's George's turn to go to the grocery store or whatever, and so they hand him his, their money for him to go. And, and one the of the things they're supposed to get are tampons. 
Pamps? The tamps. Oh. The tamps. That's just gross. That's just a hip way and, of saying tampons. And he, he gets upset because Alex has been giving him, you know, crap about how, because he overheard that the, that the that they've been walking around in their underwear, and he's like, but they don't come on to you. And he's like, well, you know. I'm surprised. And, you it's know, like, and it turns this it into this thing. Can oh, I finish sorry. saying what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. Like, interrupting oh, me right. every single time. I just like being... So, so uh, Alex says something to the effect of like, oh, so they haven't tried to come on to you. And he's like, well, well no. And he's like... So they basically think of you like like you're their sister. And, you know, of course, he takes offense at that. And so when they ask him to get the tampons, he doesn't get them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but that, uh, that, that part about not getting comes later. You know? yeah. Right now they're just laying in the groundwork. But the other thing about that is if this, was, if this episode had been written in the last few years, uh, Alex would almost certainly have used the term friend zone. But thankfully, we li- that was a more enlightened time before such an idiotic word was invented. True. So... Um, uh, so basically, um, and, and then Grey's Anatomy does something that I don't think it's ever done since. You know, this is another one of those first season. We're not gonna, we're never gonna do it this way again. Right? Is the doctor doesn't want not the doctor, I mean, not the, the doctor. Patient. The patient doesn't want Izzy on the case. And normally, when that happens, now it's like, well, hey, usually it's a lot of like. Like patient, like trying to stay on the case, and then going, no, he doesn't want you. You're off the right, case. Right, it's a legal thing. Yeah, like, but in this episode, like, basically, and I wonder if they maybe later on they got like mail about this, you know, yeah, saying I'm that's sure. not true because like Bailey's like, no, you got to be on this case, you know, whether what are you want let him, you're gonna you let him boss you around. It's like, well, yeah, like he doesn't want you on the case. He's he's not. It, it's I believe his right as a patient to not have the doctor he yeah. doesn't want. So uh, you know, it's it's. Um, it's it's just it's it's never never been that way before. No, you know, so it's, and it's like and later. Happened. I mean, yeah. since not before. Again, they and weren't sure what this show was yet. No, I think yeah, they no, they did they they didn't know where they were going with it. Um, oh, and um, like I I think this episode is interesting because I think there's a lot to be said that's positive about this episode, but it has some of the worst dialogue I've read yet. Mm-hmm. Which means I think maybe this Periot guy. Well, I don't think he ever wrote another one, did he? I don't know. I have no idea what what Grey's Anatomy's he wrote. I was trying to look that up, but like, but I don't know if he. Uh, let me see. He wrote like, yeah, it doesn't uh, the wiki doesn't connect to the, like which ones are written by him. Darn it! But um, but basically, yeah, he's well, he's a journeyman. He's but it's, there's some seriously hacky dialogue. Yes, in this. There is. and and it uses the thing. And my God, at this point, can we retire the 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 whole? It's you know, it's not a zebra. Don't think it's a zebra when you're hoof prints or whatever thing. Mm-hmm. This fuck that fucking you know the line. Yeah. That like that cliche of like you know when you hear when you hear hoof beats you know assume it's a, assume it's a horse not a zebra. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like that's been used so many times. Probably used in Grey's Anatomy like ten times. Mm-hmm. Every show wants to throw that like they do. It's an annoying cliche. It that, is. Like I mean, I, it makes sense. Like it's a useful cliche, I guess, and that's why it's become a cliche. But it's like. I'm tired of it. I, I like it's just, it's it's one of those things that like I, if I hear it one more time on a TV show, I'm gonna scream. Right. So let's move on. So yeah. oh, so any so then. Uh, oh, have we had an external shot of the hospital before at this point? Yeah, we must yeah. have. Because this one, I, it really drove home to me today how much this hospital looks like a goddamn airport. Mm-hmm. Like just it just has that like the curved glass roof. It looks like a hangar of an airport. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I it looks more like the Seattle Grace you know, international airport than an actual hospital to Right. Me. You know, most hospitals I've seen are pretty squared off or maybe they got a little bit of fancy, uh, you know. Do you want do you want to go back to the poppies? Because it looks like it's Yeah, kind of yeah. Nice. Like that that was another no man's land thing that I, I like it's a it it's too obtuse, I think, to even be 
correct. Right. But like basically, you know, the field of poppies, like she talks about, he talks about like seeing, oh, uh, the, he is the, uh, the guy who had the nail gun in his head. Uh, he talks about like his wife loves the color red and he doesn't, he thinks it's too obvious. He doesn't like it. But then he goes up climbing into the mountains with her and they go into this, uh, you know, this, the, like they get to this little like area. They're know, driving. They're driving she or whatever. Uh, she hops out of the car. Hops out of the car in her red dress and she's in a field of, he think, he's like, I think they were poppies. And a field of red poppies is commonly used basically as a remembrance you know of the war oh. world war one the the land of no man's land you know you know like basically i think i think fields of poppies sprung up on the battlefields ah. like after they were abandoned you know and so it's kind of a it's kind of a weird allusion to world war one in an episode called no man's land that i don't know if it was actually intentional I feel like it, like in other countries that aren't the U.S., wearing a poppy on uh, on Armistice Day, the 11th of November, is uh, a thing that people do. Well, you, the, it's interesting because that patient was not, that I think they were, I mean, I don't know where they were from, but they. Well, they they were Hispanic. They yeah, were, yeah, I mean, were, I don't uh, know if they were. Mexican, I'm pretty sure. You think, yeah. I would think Mexican, Latino. I, you know, it was Latino, but I yeah, don't, I don't know. think it was like Puerto they Rican had enough, or. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't matter. None of the none of the none of the uh, none of the cultures there, I think, were actually involved directly oh, okay. directly in World War One. It's much more of a Northern European thing. Oh, I see. England does it, probably France. You know. Interesting. It's you know, it's it's still yeah, it's still done in England. Yeah, there was actually a Doctor Who episode, the Doctor Who episode with uh, where he goes back and for, forgets his memory and oh yeah, whatever. Uh, I can't remember the name of that, but the two parter they they have poppies at the end oh. because they're you know he's like the guy. When he's an old man, he's an old World War One veteran. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so, so that's my little bit of so weird trivia. Okay, so then the whole Bethany Whisper thing comes back because um, uh, uh, Alex is, you know, being a jerk, and he goes and finds the magazine, and he makes a whole bunch of copies, right. and then he posts oh, them all right. over the. Uh, although before the before even that, before even that, we you know like we we get a scene where Alex makes fun of George and talks about shrinking the salamander yeah which is just oh god i'm sorry mr Perriot. yeah listen parrot it i don't i don't, I don't appreciate that joke. Yeah. i don't appreciate that like that's like it, it, it's i don't know it's like it's like he wants to take something classic like you're boxing the bishop for masturbating you know mm-hmm. and turn it into like a an erectile dysfunction joke Mm -hmm. but it's just it doesn't work and it just makes me want to punch Alex in the face and not in the way that Alex deserves to be punched in the face just because it's like you could come up with a better way to make fun of George if you're gonna be a bully it's just bad bully you're you're, you're bad at this oh but you also get to see something amazing like when they go to do the operation to take the nails out of the guy's head yep they actually like they they don't they, they used to do this all the time I feel like we'll probably see it again and again but um the chief announces up to the gallery what's going on, what the plan is, yeah. and you see a bunch of people out there taking notes. Yes. Like and a bunch of people you don't recognize. Yeah, which is nice. It's like it's a teaching hospital at that moment. It's not a teaching hospital anymore. I get in this in the in, like in this season that they're in now, the eleventh. Yeah. There's no teaching going on. Yeah. You never see like Bailey or or, or or Weber still or whoever address a bunch of people you don't recognize who have notebooks out to take. The gallery always has only the main cast in it. Yeah. You know, usually only like two of them. You know, it's it's it, it's it's like they've completely forgotten the whole point of this uh, hospital is to be a teaching hospital mm-hmm. because the first class graduated. Right. You know, and, and it's 
it, it's ridiculous and annoying. Uh, but um, but yeah, that was I just I just noticed that. So, so then we, so then he puts the he puts these up, and then you know Izzy has a very cool um, moment where she loses her crap all over him because she's like because he's trying to embarrass her. And she basically stri- starts to strip. She's like, "Oh, okay, let's look at let's look at my boobs. Let's look at let's look at let's look at my glutes. All right, let's get the actual names out." And um, this is where the whole thing where we mentioned in the last episode about uh, how she's paid off her student loans, and they're all. She says something Man. about like you're drowning in two hundred thousand dollars of debt, and I have paid off all my loans right. and thanks to Bethany. If this this and this scene would be a lot more powerful if. It was a better actress delivering it. Yeah. Because it's this is out of her wheelhouse. We've talked about how they normally like like last time I, I believe I, or maybe two times ago I don't remember um, we we record these in advance and sometimes I can't remember what <laughs> which episodes I said what in but uh, like I mentioned like this is the let Ringo sing thing that like where they usually do something within her range. Yeah. This is out of her range. Yeah. Catherine Heigl, that's her name. God, I was like, it's, I spent half this episode trying to remember her name. Yes. But this is outside of Catherine Heigl's range. She 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 comes off shrill and like not. It doesn't. It doesn't sound believable. It just sounds like she's she's not able to play the right level of hurt and defiant in it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it just comes off as just shrill and annoyed, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't doesn't make her as sympathetic as she could be. I mean, she's sympathetic by the nature of like the story, mm-hmm. but you know, it just it's it it it's not it's not a high point of of of, of acting on this show by any stretch. Uh, but uh, one high point of acting so far in this show is they do get, I will say, the guest stars mm-hmm. in this in this episode, especially uh, Liz Fallon, do a great job. In fact, I would say one of the strengths of this show is getting like good character actors of color yes. to come in and do do tremendous work. Yes. Like this is, um, but she does a very good, uh, but the weirdest thing, and I, I want to point this out because this is where I'm going to get back into Surly John mode here. Um, after, uh, like I'm giving the shit sandwich, I'm going to praise it. <laughs> now I'm going to, now I'm going to give it the shit. Um, why on earth is Burke doing this operation I on know. her? It's Again, ridiculous. we've said this before. He's a fucking cardiothoracic surgeon. His job is to work on hearts and lungs. And the, the surgery, a Whipple, I looked this up to make sure because I, you know, wanted to make sure, like, you know, because, like, it's yeah, pancreatic like, well, cancer is what she has. Yeah, and I was like, well, maybe. Maybe the, Whipple maybe, is a yeah. description of a type of surgery done. And yeah, maybe, we like, tried to look it up to, to But no, sure. a Whipple is specifically a surgery in which part of the pancreas, part of the duodenum, and part of the lower bile duct is removed. None of that is done by a cardiothoracic surgeon. That would probably be done by a general surgeon. Yep, general surgeon. Or like, or perhaps someone who's a, who's also specializes in gastroenterology with a general surgeon. You know, or ability. someone who deals with the liver. Or yeah, someone de- yeah. yeah, hepatology. Yep. But it would definitely, you know, possibly, possibly endocrinology, since the pancreas is part of the right. endocrine system. Right. But basically, a general surgeon would be doing this. And Burke is again, he's a specialist. He is like the closer. You know, yeah, and I mean in in baseball, I don't mean like the closer and like like in, in like, surgery. Like, right. No, I, mean, I I that show with what's with uh, oh the with, closer with, with Kyra Sedgwick where she right. has that really terrible Southern accent. Uh, but he he's the closer. He's like he's the relief pitcher who comes in and only pitches like to strike people out in the ninth inning and in the game. That's his job. You're not going to put him in on a on this. You know, like it is a very complicated surgery too, mind you. But it's a very complicated surgery that's outside of his specialty, right? You know, and it just, it goes back to that weird TV doctor thing. But Grey's Anatomy often brings in, like, they, they do have a guy in this episode doing this prostate surgery who is not 
main cast people because that's his job. Yeah. You know, he's an act, he's a guy who specializes in like the prostate, the lower GI tract. But and they that also area. have to use him to make fun of him. Well, they do well, make, fun, make of him, fun of him. Yeah. him but they, well, you know. they use him as a foil because yeah. you can't have a main cast member be this conservative and stuck, you know, stuck up. But we'll get back to that part. Um, pretty but, soon, actually. Pretty soon, yeah. So, uh, yeah, at this point, uh, and I think. I'm kind of going backwards a little bit in my notes because I'm pretty sure uh, this part happened after Izzy's monologue to uh, to Alex. But I, I wrote, George needs to get over the tampon thing. Yeah. Because it's it's actually over the top. George, like, this is, I mean, all right, it was 2005 when this was aired. But, like, in 2005, admittedly, I had been dating people. But in 2005, it had been nearly a decade since the first time I bought tampons for someone else in a store. Yeah. You know? And and George is supposed to be only two years younger than us. Like everyone's supposedly Meredith's class is like like all born in nineteen seventy eight, supposedly. Right. Or around that time. You know? So they're all like two years younger than us. They're they should not be as freaked out. This is like that's like a nineteen fifties problem or seventies and eighties problem. That's an eighties sitcom problem, right up the bat. That is that is like golden girls going into Brian by condoms level mm-hmm. of like, come on. You know, like then yes, now no. No one is gonna n- no man worth a worth a damn is going to be ashamed of buying tampons in this day and age. You As know? a matter of fact, in I don't George's think I, case, it actually makes him look like he's got more cred because yeah, you he's know. Like, yeah, no. Basically, buying tampons is like announcing to the world, "Yes, I live with a woman." Right. You know, that's all it says. You know, like that's all it says. And like, I have never in my life been given a look by anyone for buying tampons. Never. Right. You know, I'm not too busy. You know, like no one cares. It's, cares. It's, it's 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 no one cares. So you know, and uh, we once again um, we get uh, we get the Yang don't know people. Yeah. Uh, because this is Christina Yang robot because she goes in and like at one point she like uh, Liz is getting worse, much worse, and Burke keeps going. Well, we'll keep checking. We'll keep testing. You know, and uh, you know, and, and she's like, she needs this operation. She needs this operation, and. You know, it's like, and she like looks at me. It's like, what? It sounds like to me like you just brought her to this hospital so she could die here. And he just kind of gives her the uh, mm-hmm. look, and it's like, well, yeah, duh. You know, obviously she like her like her entire life has been this hospital. She mentions like she didn't really have a life outside of this hospital on numerous occasions in this episode. So you know, like Fallon has lived, Liz has lived in this hospital, you know, for you know like twenty, thirty years, however long she worked, you know. Her family's here. Her family's here, you know? And, like, you see, like, all throughout, she keeps getting visited by nurses and doctors, like, constantly. You know? And she's got all these gift bags and stuff in her room. Like, she's basically dying with her family. Yep. And, like, Christina Yang is so stupid. She's rock stupid when it comes to human relations. Oh, which, yeah. I, which, again, I say it's a, it's a believable and realistic character trait, you know? Because that's kind of her whole point is she's, like... I'd say Yang's journey is to become more human, but I don't know that she ever does. Mm, I think she does. Slightly. I mean, she's able to be sad. <laughs> you know? That's about that's about as far as uh, you she get. She gets sad in this episode. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Oh, she gets, you mean in this like, episode. Like, she, like, I think her growth is that she's able to be sad more often. Okay. You know, like, but she doesn't really, you know, she's she's able to develop friendships other than Meredith, I guess, as, the t- as time goes on. Like, that's maybe, maybe that's her growth. Sure. I mean, but other than that, you know, um, you know, and, um, oh, and this episode may be the first that has 
No, I think it's done it before. That has the whole, like, it's got, like, the objective correlative, I believe, is what my playwriting professor used to call which it, is... which is a T.S. Eliot thing. I don't know the correct term for this, but I know that my playwriting professor used that as the thing through which all things can be seen. It's like a symbolic thing in a story. Okay. And in this one, it's memory. Memory is, like, the through line of this episode. Oh, yeah. Even poppies are for remembrance. Mm. You know? But it's, you know, because it's like Meredith, it's all all throughout you get Meredith and her mother. Like, and, uh, and, and there's a scene where Meredith and Alice are talking and Ellis doesn't remember. She's seeing all these pictures. She sees pictures of Thatch. Oh, her God. husband. I, yeah, we, we, we've mentioned it before. I just, I, Thatch. Mm-hmm. You called him Thatch because cause Thatch is a normal human name that people would call each other. Right. Um, we haven't gotten to Arizona yet. Um, but, you know, like, but she doesn't really remember that. She's like, oh, really? Who? And then when, when she mentions I saw Liz Fallon, she's like, oh, I remember her. I, she's good, you know. I love and like, Liz. I love Liz, you know. And like Meredith's like, well, congratulations, mom. You don't remember me, but you remember this nurse, you know. That, right. You know. Um, but so that that's kind of the through line. And then we find out that this, uh, the guy who nail gunned his head, they did an MRI to check for bleeds and they found a tumor. Of course. And the tumor is something that it's got fuzzy margins. So to remove it, they'll have to remove areas around it. This tumor is in his brain and it's in the part of the brain that's connected to memory. So there's a very big risk he will lose his personality, or at least his memories of anything. And quite, quite possibly, possibly his personality. his personality, too. You know, like, because, you know, to get removed. So we have this whole thing where, you know, like, Meredith's watching these people decide whether or not, you know, it's like, he'll live five to ten years. If, if he uh, has the surgery. If he has the surgery. Three to five years if they use gamma radiation. You know, he's going to die younger regardless. It's a, you know, he's got a brain tumor, you know. It's obviously, I'm assuming, cancerous. Right. You know, so, I mean, the fuzzy margins kind of helps with that, yeah. you know. But, um, oh, my God, the dog is licking my arm. <laughs> so. Uh, but, so, but, so, but, so then Meredith takes it upon herself to be terrible. Yeah. Because Meredith always does the wrong thing first. And Meredith is absolutely terrible. Meredith takes after after they've made the decision to do to do the surgery. Meredith takes the wife aside and says, "You, you got to know what you're getting into." And it, I mean, it sounds like she means well, but you know, you can't second guess a patient. And second of all, she, it's obvious he made the decision, not the wife. Right. You know, and it's just it's kind of a it's it's kind of like the crappiest, most idiotic thing. And it goes back to my again, Meredith is not the hero of this show; she's the villain. She's not the villain. <laughs> she's just she's the worst. She's terrible. You know, so. So anyway, they, they end up doing that operation, and I don't think there's ever I don't, there's not closure. There's no on that. closure on that. You just know what's going to happen. No, you know what's going to happen. They do the operation on the uh, oh. So then Izzy has a sort of uh, she walks in and she like talks to the dude that's going to have the prostate. Uh, oh yeah, surgery, I forgot to mention and she that. She basically yeah. says, you know, get get you know, I don't care what your chauvinistic issue is with me. I'm a doctor. And she does that actually. She storms out right after Alex. Yeah. and goes right to that, and she's like all in <laughs> heaving and in tears, and then and he's like basically. In not so many words, says, I used to spank it to you, and now I'm going to be, and now I'm probably going to ha- not have a, a libido anymore. Yeah, and basically because the, Because the doctor's named Limp Harry, the old doctor, because he cuts the nerves. He cuts the nerves. Uh, like, uh, that, that uh, for pleasure. Yeah, so, like, you well, know, not he for often, pleasure, just because he's some well, conservative. No, 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 no. The nerves that are for pleasure. Oh, the nerves there. that are. I thought you meant he cut him. But he's like, you know, like, like basically he's like, I'm an old dog, and I, I, I worry about saving the life, and they can't, I don't want to try anything radical, you know, and so. Basically, you know, the guy's like, I used to spank it to you and I don't want to like think of you as the one who emasculated me. Right. And, and so when he's in the surgery, 
um, Bailey's trying to talk the doctor into saving the nerves and he's not listening. And then Izzy busts in and, you know, basically saves the day by telling, you know, telling Bailey. Like, and the guy's was, like, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's, she's yours. You better, you know, get her out of here. And she's like, oh, I can't, I can't kick her out, you know. And he's like, I'll talk to Dr. Weber about the two of you. And she's like, and you'll never see me again. So, because yeah. apparently, like, uh, you know, like, I, I, it's, it's, it's one of those like it's implied. We've set up we've set up this this straw man bad guy to just to take him down because yeah. he'll never be in again, and he was one hundred percent wrong. Yeah. Suppose well, possibly. I mean, we don't know. There's not like any any closure to this one either. It's not like he gets to go look and see Izzy and then get 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 a rise. Get, gets his wang on, you know. Although Bailey does make a comment about that. Like, Every time he gets a rise, he's gonna think about you, and it's like okay. Yeah, that's that's th- thanks, Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so then Izzy asks George if she thinks he's emasculating her. I mean, she's emasculating, emasculating him, him, and he's like, "No, no, I'm super masculine, whatever, you know." And she's basically like, you know, like he, he deflects it, and they come to their, you know, understanding. Their friendship is okay. Yeah, and like, and they, their friends actually, their friendship going forward throughout the next couple of years is actually pretty fun. Yeah, it is. I I, I like them as friends because there yes. there is no. There's zero sexual tension between no. them, which is nice in this show because yes. this show really loves to put sexual tension between people. Yes. You know, constantly. It's like the most unprofessional hospital ever. Yes. Everyone wants to fuck everyone else. It yes. is so unprofessional. Oh, and uh, speaking of that, uh, we get the beginning, although it is never, a- it's not It's not actually shown in on, so Liz dies. Yes, Liz does die. And, and, and it's terrifying. And, and she, she basically stops talking in the middle of a sentence to uh to yang to yang basically saying she's hazing she's like trying to say welcome to seattle grace and she just like welcome to sit you know and then like and starts like having an attack of something and and then basically she she flatlines yang tries to do do heroic measures uh but uh sassy male nurse uh tells her she's got a dnr i love sassy i male wish nurse. i knew his name I, I i don't know how to look that up yeah you know but sassy uh, male nurse. I know he's got to have a character name he does have a character name. you know like i just don't know it uh but um it's much more fun, fun to call him sassy, sassy male, male nurse. nurse but sassy male nurse is like whose job is basically either to be sassy or to tell people there's a dnr it seems like yes. that's all he ever does in the show it's like there's a dnr you know you can't do it and burke basically has to force her to quit trying to save her life and then they make her call save liz's life and then call it they make her call it and that's her first time she's ever called time of death and uh, she runs off, and Bert goes to talk to her, and like he kind of grabs her, and they look at each other meaningfully, meaningfully. But, we, but they don't seal the deal yet. The meaningful looks, so there's John. A, but they don't tear each other's shirts off not yet. Time. Not this time. And then Meredith ends up deciding. I think there's not much else to say here, but Meredith ends up deciding to go to uh, to hang out with. Uh, she goes to breakfast. To with. breakfast because she's never. She always eats shitty leftovers for breakfast. And Derek, Mister. Mr. I'm no longer from New York. I'm now Nature Boy. McCreamy. McCreamy. No, no, no. He's McDreamy. I'm McCreamy. I'm sorry. Yeah, because I'm a McCreamsicle. Ew. Okay, Ew. keep going. God, why not even say that? Oh my that? God, you're like disgusting I've me. I've grossed myself yeah. out. <laughs> so like they go to some weird Seattle place that has toy dinosaurs in a fountain or yeah, something. So I don't know weird. if you're, if you live in Seattle, could you tell me, is that like a real thing or is it like, it's, it's cause it's not commented on and it's just shown and, and she delivers more of her monologue, you know, her you know, I guess she ends up, like, there's a whole thing about intimacy, uh, you know, like, it's been her monologue theme throughout, and uh, this one is, like, like she ends with, uh, you know, you take it where you can get it, and keep it as long as you can, and as for rules, maybe there are none, maybe the rules of intimacy are something you have to define for yourself, and she goes and meets him, 
Uh, one of, one of these days, we, we should just collect all of these uh, these Meredith monologues, which are all in the wiki. And we could, you could do a one-woman show. Meredith no. Grey no. tells it, explains it all for you. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, all right then. So that was uh, that was uh, no man's land. No man's land. Not the worst episode I've seen yet, but that's not saying much now, is it? <laughs> all right. Well, the, definitely the worst dialogue of any episode I've seen yet. Uh, if, like, I'm gonna give Shonda credit; she writes much better dialogue. Oh, God, than this I guy. miss Shonda. I kind of do too. Uh, next week, uh, next week is a good episode, a good song at least. Uh, Next week will be Shake Your Groove Thing. Shake your groove thing. Shake, shake your groove thing. But we'll, uh, we'll see you in a week. Uh, All right, With that thanks. one, I guess. Um, we All don't have anything right. else to say, do we? Oh, no. oh, oh, I guess we need to start doing our promos. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we do another podcast if you uh, only listen to this one. Uh, in other words, if you're one of Allie's friends. <laughs> um, uh, we do a podcast called A Match Made in Space. You can also find that on iTunes, just like this one. And you can find uh, that has a website, matchmadeinspace.com. This podcast finally has its own website, hardgravesnight.com. Uh, you can also find find this podcast, of course, on iTunes as well. Um, you can find uh, this podcast on Twitter, at hardgravesnight. You can find our other podcast on at MMIS Podcast. You can uh, find Allie at at Allie Goodman. No, you it's at Allie underscore, underscore Goodman. Goodman. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. And Allie is spelled A-L-I. A-L-I. You know, and like, you can find like this, this guy Wait, who doesn't, no, doesn't even know my Twitter handle. How long have we been married? At Hitler, not underscore puncher. So Hitler puncher. Uh, uh, and, and uh, oh, and I guess if you want to send us an email, uh, if you have something really long you want to tell us, please you can tell send us it long to things. Hardgraysnight at gmail.com of something I should probably check. Yeah, that would probably be smart. Because we might have emails. We might have emails. Because I don't think I've ever checked it. You should check it. You should link it to your main email. I got the the email so so that I could, you know, so that I could get the domain link to it. And now I have no earthly idea. Um, Good job. Anywho. um, So, yeah, that's pretty much it, you guys. Uh, Looking forward to to seeing you. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next. Looking forward to being outside your window staring in. Unblinking. On the, on the next, on Saying the Bloody Mary three times. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a hard gray's night. Um, thanks for listening. Kiss off. <laughs>